everyone. Welcome to another little episode of Half Hour with Astra Theater Company. I am Taylor and I am here today with a really awesome theater artist from Kansas City and uh, community organizer as well. His name is Jake Walker. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. What you been up to in these plague times? Oh, man. It's a, that's a funny question. You know, <laughs> um, I have noticed, you know, people answer that question really uh, honestly now. You know, like, if you're yeah. especially like, how, how have you been or how are you? <laughs> Two years ago, people just kind of went, pretty good. Good, and how now, are you? <laughs> yeah, good, how are you? And now people really answer like, oh man, I had a really hard week. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Or there's just like a, like a lag and people are like, and then there's like a mutual understanding of like, yeah, same, cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah so, it's a little different, but I, I appreciate the honesty that comes with that nowadays because we all oh, need it. Yeah, me too. And, and I, 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 you know, I'm obsessed with authenticity. And sometimes that's that's works against me in like a theater lobby, <laughs> you know, after a show. Sometimes I get that feeling of like, do you, do you really think I was good in it? I'm oh, <laughs> that is the worst. Actually, I would say that is most actors hell is to be yeah. like after opening night in the lobby, just surrounded by people praising you because there is something in our psyche to be like, OK, but like, what did you actually think? Yeah, you can't mean all that. <laughs> but um but yeah, I mean recently mostly I've been working on stuff with the theater community fund. Yeah. Um, but it's funny, you know, you think about the year and there's like little sections. There was like the kind of sweet but sad section at the very beginning when it was we were just thinking we were going to shelter at home for a couple 3 weeks. And everything and we, would be chill by Easter. Yeah, and when we're like watching those Tabitha Brown videos, maybe we're watching Tiger King and just kind of being cozy. Mm -hmm. And then that transitioned into like the Black Lives Matter protests. And so I was at those, you know, every day for weeks and we were all getting gassed by the cops and rubber bullets and running through the plaza through clouds of freaking CS gas. I mean, that, 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 I don't think our country has processed that yet. And then yeah. the lengthening of the virus and then we, me and these people started this nonprofit. And so that was a great way to kind of focus, zone yeah, in. And channel some of like the, angst into something tangible i think that's so important right now you know yeah as a way to give back to our community and organize with like-minded folks to help you know everyone i think that is that's really commendable seriously that's like a lot of what we need right now is just more community members looking out for each other i think i agree and it has been not just great to have something to focus on and some have a place to put my energy but also to see, you know, theater patrons and theater workers, both, you know, our fans in the audience and our coworkers, all of them are really coming together and donating money and donating food to the food bank. And it is, um, it's just a great reminder that, that there, are, there are good people out there and there yeah. are people that care and they wanna help and they have big, big hearts 
and they were just kind of waiting for something like this, you know, to give them a structure of, of how, uh, how to give. Yeah, I think that's great. And I, I would become like a little addicted to that organizing around people having that opportunity to give and, and reveal their kindness because I think right now, especially it's really easy to just like sort of sit indoors all day. And like, as we were saying before we started sort of doomsday scroll a little bit yeah. and there, it is a good reminder that I think most people do have a lot of good at heart. And there is, especially in our particular community, so much care and strength and support for one another. Something that I really love about Kansas City. Yeah, and you know, we're all imperfect and, and Kansas City theater community is is just like any community anywhere is flawed and there's there's hurt there and there's you know there's tricky things that we all have to kind of come to terms with. But at the same time, that does not cancel out these other good things, just the same way the good things don't cancel out the flaws. And I think just reminding that both, reminding us that both exist. Yeah. And acknowledging the flaws, but also celebrating the, the good stuff, I think mm -hmm. is really the only way that we're going to go forward. Totally. I totally agree. Um, so let's let's get to know you a little bit, my friend. So uh, as we like to say, you were born and then what happened? So where are you from? Where'd you grow up? And when did you start getting sucked into this uh, profession that we call theater? God, man, I was born in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. No uh, we way. Were, yeah, yeah. I was a native Tejasian. Okay. Um, and we moved up here. My dad's family's from down there. My mom's family was up here. And we moved up here when I was nine. So I, I'm like, I'm from here. Right. I, I've got a little bit of time in Texas, but that's, I don't feel like a Texan. I feel like a Kansas City guy. Um, and then, you know, they, they started putting me in plays because I was getting in trouble in school and I had all this energy and wanted to be the class clown. And mm. so I started auditioning for plays in like junior high and I did it in high school and um, went to uh, Missouri State University. Then it was called uh, uh, Southwest Missouri State University, but uh, majored in theater, got a little scholarship. But then I got cast in a summer stock uh, gig uh, in Winfield, Kansas called Horse Feathers and Applesauce Dinner Theater. <laughs> Hold on one second. In where? Winfield, Kansas. No offense to anyone who's from there who's tuning in, but <laughs> where the fuck is that? <laughs> it's about, it's, it's like about a, maybe an hour uh, south of Wichita. Okay, so it's more western Kansas. Claim, yeah, it's okay. big claim to fame is a bluegrass festival that happens every year. Um, my dad goes every year and there's, I mean, it's funny, the, the Winfield Bluegrass Festival, you'll, the, those people, people maybe watching your uh, show right now, they'll, they'll, I've been there, you know, people have been there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, it was like, we were at this, it was at the college there and we worked, you know, from seven in the morning until midnight on different crews, making costumes. I think I made like 180 bucks every two weeks. But that was when I was like, oh, you can get paid. You can get paid for this. Wow. And was that after after college, that gig? Well, it was after my freshman year. Okay. And then I dropped out. 
No, I didn't uh, know that. Oh yeah, I dropped out because I just was like, why am I paying $400 credit hour for something I could get paid to do right now? I don't recommend a that. A steal, by the way. <laughs> yeah, back then, that was... That, that's yeah, a, that's a really good now. point, though. I mean, I, there's something I've said on here before, but like this profession is something, and most of the entertainment industry, is not something you need a degree to do. It is largely experience-driven. Yeah. And, and yeah, you don't necessarily need a degree. I, I think, I think training is essential. Um, but I think you can also get it, you can get it through conservatories or grad school or undergrad, but you can also get it on the job like an apprentice would. And that's kind of how I felt like my training happened. Of course, I've taken workshops and classes out the yin yang, but right. I do feel like I kind of had a lot of on the job training, watching people like Mark Robbins at the rep, you know, uh, you know, just watching his work and my time at the Denver center in Colorado, just watching people like friggin' John Hutton or Philip Pleasance, just schooling everyone else on yeah. stage, you know? Um, but yeah, so then uh, I got the, the uh, booked at uh, the unicorn theater in Fuddy Mears in uh, 2001 and okay. that was the end of it that was when i was like i'm not i quit all my day jobs and i was just like i am this is this is what i want to do for the rest that's of when life. you put both feet in the pool yeah in the in the deep end <laughs> um, that's fantastic yeah, was, and then after um, that you just continued to just work as much as possible and you know make it happen yeah, you just kind of audition for stuff. And, and then I had um, an opportunity to go do Creed Repertory Theater. And that was kind of one of the level ups that allowed me to grow. Because, you know, in Kansas City, especially if you're a kid here and, and you grow up in the theater community, you know, people kind of go, okay, Taylor, that's what you look like. This is your vibe. And that's how we'll cast you. Mm. Whereas if you go to another community, they, they really kind of, your audition means more. You get to reinvent yourself a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And you can really come in and go, okay, I'm trying two new monologues that I've never done that ate me in a way mm -hmm. that I don't think other people see me. So, and then that's all they have to go on. So they catch mm. you based on that. So I got started getting a little more leading roles i got some singing roles played bobby strong that was really fun oh um, and then from creed i kind of dipped back here a little bit but then i moved to denver and um yeah and then i started working at the denver center and colorado shakespeare festival and i just really got a taste of what um working with experts mm. is like working with people who are just total experts you know yeah. uh, i think her name is diana ben kiki who is the wig person at the denver center and the arvada center and i'm i was just like this looks like real hair she looks at you she's like it is real hair <laughs> yeah but i realized I was like this is better than my hair i want to wear this it was, I was playing Algernon uh, in Importance mm. of Being Earnest. Mm -hmm. And this wig they gave me, I was like, this is, I look amazing. Isn't it wow. crazy how quickly 
I feel like there's this like there's this like line that you hit in in regional theaters or like professional theaters in general, and there's like okay, you're getting paid to do work, you're getting paid to do work, and then all of a sudden you pass this line and you're like, the budget has just quadrupled, and I have no I, and I, should I be here because it seems like this is too expensive for me to afford to be here. Yeah, no, yeah. I had that feeling. You know, I'm because uh, a lot of. Uh, before I turned equity, you know, I was like an understudy at the Denver Center. And even non-union understudies there, I mean, they're making $600 a week. Yeah. Just to understudy. And, you know, I did some understudy gigs up here and, and it's different, man. I mean, these understudies were in the room every day. Yeah. They weren't required to be, but they were there writing notes, you know, and, and we'd all get together and have these like, rehearsals in an empty practice room you mm. know and so by the time we had the understudy rehearsal it was like we were ready to go on yeah that day no question because we felt obliged to be ready because we're breaking in the dough and the standard is high too right you see that level of work from those other artists in the room and you're like oh shit like i've got to match this in the case that I do get called upon to go, I mean, like, is that not every actor's like worst nightmare? It's like, yeah. you know what I mean? I've had that nightmare oh, countless times where like you get shoved on stage and you're just like, what play are we doing? <laughs> yep. Well, I, <laughs> funny, I had, um, the first kind of understudy gig I ever had was also a swing, um, for forbidden Broadway here in town at theater league, which was at union station. And, there was, you know, there was like a plan, like a couple days that I was definitely going in, but I was also on call. Like I had to call every night. And of course, I covered both mail tracks. And so I remember I, the first time I went on was an emergency, not one of the planned things. So I came on and, you know, you're just, there's dressers backstage and you're, you're in the, like all the straps from being like Alan Cumming in cabaret and you're going into cats and so you just come back put your arms out and and you kind of go what's the next song oh they're putting ears on me it's memory <laughs> <laughs> you get a uh, sort of shoved with love as we say uh-huh yeah and the director uh, bill selby who or william selby who's a huge uh star in the forbidden broadway world like he's kind of one of the package directors that he sets it up where it needs to happen. He directed it here and, and his, the kind of one advice that he gave me was, uh, was just do gibberish. So if you're doing Mandy Patinkin and you forget the words to super hyper, what is it? Super, super califragilistic expialidocious. Yeah, that's the main, but with it's super frantic, oh. hyperactive, self-indulgent man. <laughs> I would not be, I, I would have been doing gibberish from the first rehearsal. Yeah, he says just do gibberish and no one will care. <laughs> That's fantastic. So do you feel yeah. like when, to back up a little, when you said you got that, that gig at Creed, do you feel like that allowed you like an opportunity to explore like this part of your identity as an artist that maybe you felt like you hadn't gotten quite, quite there in Kansas City? So it allowed oh. you to sort of like, like sort of prune and, and nurture that self to then, you know, grow into a, a fuller artist? 1,000%. I mean, yeah. 
just for the main fact of, you know, before Creed and even kind of now, I mean, a normal actor's career in a, in a year, you do four or five plays, right? right? I mean, maybe a little bit more, maybe some years a little less, but that's over a year. My first summer in Creed, I mean, we did seven plays. Right. In At rec. the same time, yeah. Yes, at the same time. And we never stopped. And, you know, we, we, there's a little sweet spot at the beginning where you're just rehearsing one play. But then that opens, and the next day you're rehearsing the next one and doing that play at night. And then that play opens, and there's two plays running, and you're rehearsing the third play. And so in July, there's like an opening every single weekend. You're on stage. Sometimes on Fridays, you'd have a 10 a.m. of one show, a, a 2 p.m. of a different one, at 7 p.m. of a different one. And then we had late night improv shows. So you do four different shows in a day. And just the necessity of that, of creating all these different characters and memorizing seven plays in a month, that's... That's, that's a huge yeah. muscle to develop and like such good training, I think, to just be yeah. honestly like thrown into the fire and just have to figure it out at the end of the day, whatever way yep. best suits you, you know? Yeah, it's like P90X for actors. <laughs> Creed rep, I hope they're listening to this. Um, so where, what were you up to um, like right before COVID started in the spring, in the early spring? And how did Ooh. that change? Man, uh, well, right before COVID, I was doing a show at the Unicorn in January. And I remember um, one of our uh, PAs, started coming to the theater in a mask. Uh, and we were like, what's going on? Are you okay? And she said, nah, man, there's this flu in, in China and it's going to be crazy. And I'm telling you, we were all like, oh, really? <laughs> oh, we, really? We really, I mean, we weren't mean to her, but we really were like, okay, well, that's your choice. No problem. Right. right. Uh, I got the flu shot. I think I'm going to be okay. <laughs> and man, we were so wrong. And so it, her name is Abigail Huggins. And so a few weeks later, you know, once the virus started popping off, I started contacting her and being like, what's the, what's the deal now? What are you afraid of now? Like, what's and will the, you what's buy me a lottery ticket? <laughs> yeah. Just tell me what I should be doing. Cause you, you are smart and I am not. Right. Um, but yeah, I was kind of waiting. I had a gig in Canada um, that was going to be in Vancouver and Toronto. And I was just kind of taking care of stuff. You know, there's like weird things about stipends. And so they sent me all this money ahead of time so that I could have the cash instead of dealing with banks while I was up there. Mm. And so I paid a bunch of bills and paid some rent. And then this happened and they were like, hey, can we get that money back? And I was like, yeah. They did yeah. not. They asked for it back? Well, uh, they wanted, they were like, you can keep this much and you send back this much. And I guess I spent it all. <laughs> right. Because I figured, well, how are getting, we to know? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting paid while I'm up there. So why don't... Um, but they, they did let me keep a large portion of it. But the little bit, it was like, ah, can I? <laughs> <laughs> I need to move some money around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, That's crazy. So then, yeah. so I assume that gig did not happen in Canada. Mm-mm-mm. Wow. Yeah. And so then you were just hanging in Kansas City. Yeah. Then, then I applied for unemployment and got that, you know, HECA souped up COVID payment. Mm-hmm. And I just was like in, I was in, in, I was so yeah. in just yeah. here. And, you know, it's like, how, how do you mark the year? I'm like, okay, what have I binged? I've binged Criminal Minds. I binged you. I, you know, there's things I for, I'm forgetting. Oh, Hannah. I binged, binged Hannah. It's like the year really measured in TV and Netflix, honestly. Totally. You know? Yeah. I was really yeah. reluctant at the beginning of the pandemic. I did not, I didn't watch hardly anything. Actually, just recently have I started to binge stuff. But I have also been super lucky to have gotten back a full-time job the week before wow. the lockdown started. So nice. this whole time I've been working full-time, which is a huge blessing. So many people don't have a job or benefits or anything right now. But I never really experienced that, like, I'm so bored, I'm going to do 300 puzzles. And, <laughs> you know, and until now, it's just starting to hit me. And I feel really yeah. behind, <laughs> behind the times. I mean, I went on a spending spree with some of the unemployment too, you know, like I got uh, this, this like ring light, you know, you have these fantasies. You're like, okay, there's never going to be theater. So now I've got to be a creator. Okay. So I'm going to get a, a condenser mic and I'm going to get some editing software and everything will be fine when the Amazon boxes get. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. What are you binging right now? Oh, okay. This is really embarrassing. Um, my partner and I have been watching this little show. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Grey's Anatomy. Oh. Um, <laughs> so There's a lot of seasons of that. There are 17 goddamn seasons, <laughs> to which I say, Shonda, no more. Um, so, yeah, Shonda. we've been watching that. That's like our go-to-bed show, I will say. Um, yeah. So we've been watching that. Uh, we just started. Uh, we actually just finished The Vow, that Nexion documentary on HBO. Have you seen yeah. that? Oh yeah. God, we actually just finished it moments ago. It was, that was good. It was very good. Yeah. I watched a couple of those cult, the Nexium. I watched this, one of the Scientology ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you watch the Waco movie? Not yet, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk Add about- it to the list. <laughs> oh, and just, and you know, the thing about a lot of these is, Man, we really don't know the truth of anything. <laughs> I know. That's what really struck me about this Nexium thing, too, because people love to be, and I was like this going into it, too. It was like, how could these people not see this? Like, this guy has long hair. He's wearing John Lennon glasses. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? And it's like 20, it's 2010, you know? I'm like, how did that little girl from Smallville get sucked into all this, you know? Right. But when you think about it and you listen to the way that they're talking, a lot of the, like the, the modules are like, you know, what perceptions do you have of yourself you would like to change? And like, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's how people get sucked in because they target like, honest, honestly, like good people, like people who mm-hmm. want to become more self-aware. They just drastically messed with their minds. It's, it's fantastic. Um, fantastic documentary. Yeah. Mm. Ugh. So anyway, um, <laughs> once we're, once we're allowed to sort of, re-enter our our theaters and gather again um 
what does that look like in your in your like you know hopes of the future is, are, what do you miss or is there anything you want to be different once we return yeah i mean i want to i want so much to be different yeah. i want so much to be different um what i mean it's like where to begin um i want i want it to be more compassionate you know and, and not that anyone is mean right now in theater but there is a kind of you know the, the, the toxic side of the show must go on mm. that I, I hope can dissipate in terms uh, of like sick time or well just the, the general push to have like the plays the thing the plays the thing at any cost the play is the thing if mm. we're in tech and we're all mad and we're all tired we just still gotta keep going and if the director yells at us we just gotta suck it up and if an act the lead mm. actor throws a fit we just gotta just keep on trucking <laughs> uh you know what i mean and yeah it's that it's this weird balance of like we're all still people yeah we're all people and we all have different needs and and you know you have marginalized folks that are that are sitting in rooms where they're alone. They're the only black person or the only Latinx person there. And it's just, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. If, it, you know, we can't guarantee that that will never happen again. But if that does happen, I, we can be more compassionate. And I just think a little slower. Slower. Yeah. Everything should be slower. Yeah, I would like for organizations to be more open to feedback. <laughs> That's something that I am trying to do myself, just as a person, but also as an artist, as a theater maker, as a uh, you know founder of a new theater company. I just am trying to open myself as much as possible to feedback from my employees from the people that, you know, the artists I involve myself with from out, you know, outside perspectives, because I have to understand that I, I do not have all the answers. And to think that I do is, and to pretend that I do, even though when I don't, I think is just like a cardinal sin. And I also yeah. think that artists can sniff that shit out from a mile away. Mm -hmm. you know? And so I would love to just see, especially some, leadership from organizations that have been around for a long, long time and are prominent in our artist community. I would just love to see them just be a little more transparent and honest about, we don't know about this. Like maybe let's have a yeah. town hall about this or can I pay someone, like can I pay like a, a black person to educate me about why this decision was wrong instead of just like posting an incendiary Facebook status? Yeah. You know, I wish, and I suppose that trickles down to just in general. I wish we could just have more calm, nuanced conversations with everyone across party lines. But yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, one thing I was, I just thought of is also, I, I'd like to see, it's funny to say right after you oh, more conversation across party lines. Yes. But I also would like to see a more kind of drawing a line in the sand from arts organizations just being like, you know, if, if, you know, we don't want Trump's money, we don't want Trump supporters money. We don't want him. We don't want it. 
I don't want it. Um, yeah. I, I just, yeah. And it seems crazy why, to say. No fascist money here, please. No money that will endanger our democracy. Yeah, yeah. or just like, you know, I think what's happening in a lot of theaters across the country in their kind of anti-racism efforts, they're having to kind of tiptoe because they maybe have really conservative people on the board or on their donor lists. They do. They for sure do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I just think that it's like the time for timidity. Is that a word? Timidness? (laughs) The time for, you know, measured, timid responses to, you know, things like the We See You White American Theater. Like, we got to just be bold in those responses. And if you're wrong in the response, then be boldly wrong and be open to criticism when people say, hey, man, that, that, that was not enough. Yeah. Or you're going down a wrong road. We, and I we, feel, we have to listen. Totally. And I feel like so many folks, and this isn't just in, in our community, but just in general, are scared of doing that for the um, possibility of damaging their career or being blacklisted from organizations. Or, you know, it's a very small, close-knit community. So... Yeah, that's what I uh, worry about and hope to kind of help to curtail, especially as like a a cis straight white dude. I'm like, okay, how can I help to elevate and organize people or maybe speak on behalf of people who maybe don't feel comfortable bringing something to a a board or to, you know, an all white room? And how can what is my responsibility in those spaces to look out for those folks and to hold myself accountable uh, hold everyone else in the room as accountable as I try to hold myself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a whole nother tricky, you know, ball game of, of like, you know, and, and I, I've been on that journey. I think I just saw a post where they talk about like different circles of, 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 of whiteness maybe. Mm. And there's like the fear level where you're kind of denying racism and, afraid of accountability and then there's the learning section where you're it's more introspective mm-hmm. and then there's the ally section where you're just actively holding your peers accountable holding organizations accountable and i feel like i often am I'm kind of bouncing between those last two totally you know, me too yeah. learning and allyship and, and i think when i feel like i'm in the ally circle I'm actually in the learning circle <laughs> and yeah. that can be messy that I, you know, you can really step on people's feelings when you feel overconfident as, as a, a, a white person who aims to be helpful. You can do, you can still do damage even if your intent is good. Of course. Yeah. Totally. Intent versus outcome for sure. And I think maybe that is, you know, what happens at the the managerial executive level of some of these companies maybe is really just fear of being wrong or being canceled or, you know, whatever, because it is such a small community. But I just try to look at all feedback as like an act of love. You know, this person wouldn't be being critical of you if they, if they still wanted to fuck with you. You know what I mean? Like they would just yeah. not fuck with you anymore. You know, if they, if they weren't about it and if they didn't love you on some level, they weren't trying to amend and, and help make you better. 
So yeah. I think we got to shift the narrative too of like, you know, it's an act of love. Otherwise right. they wouldn't be saying anything, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's a total chance to learn and, and add new tools to your tool belt. Um, and I just remember one specific time, something, I can't remember the subject, but I, I added my voice <laughs> to uh, some comments in a Facebook post and a very um, w- wonderful uh, woman I follow on Facebook. I, I think her name's uh, Crystal Ravens. Um, but she just simply was like, not your lane. <laughs> and then I was just like, thank you. 10 <laughs> Understood. Thank you, not my lane. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you, not my lane. Um, That's fantastic. But I think it really just does come from a place of love, obviously, you know, but we've got to figure out how we're most useful, I think, which is just a lifelong journey I've accepted. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so I can't believe it's already been 30 minutes, Jake. Um, wow. What do you have coming up with TCF that you can talk about? We also inter- interviewed... Um, uh, Amanda a couple of weeks ago. So we'll get to hear oh, great. more about the organization from her as well. So don't feel like you have to give the whole rundown because she, she talked you guys up a bit too. Oh, awesome. Yeah. She's amazing. She's our vice president of the board. Um, you know, I mean, we have drop off Mondays for our food bank every Monday at the unicorn from 12 PM to 2 PM. Um, we have some stuff kind of in the works. Um, but one thing I've learned is we, we, we got to keep things under our hats until they are 10,000% solid confirmed. Mm-hmm. So there's some cool stuff that we're, we're, we're aiming to do in the next few months in terms of helping people out, providing relief. Um, More I can't say that, <laughs> yes, that will be revealed. Um, but we do have, Almost a, a fifteen. I think we have a, a little over a dozen households that are accessing our food bank, um, and that's a really humbling thing. Uh, you know, there's theater households, but also just random people that found us on Facebook. Um, our food bank is open to anyone, and so we're we're taking huge loads of food to households that have some of them have seven people in them. Yeah. And what would you say are like um, items that you get too much of or things to avoid? It always, it varies, right? Yeah. So, so there's like some weeks where we, we have a lot of this, a lot of that right now we have way more cereal than we need. This will also so, come out and I should say like three months probably. So oh, yeah. it might not be that helpful to forecast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I guess, I guess I'll say uh, from the past, <laughs> I'm talking to you from the past. Ooh. Uh, email us at kctheaterfund at gmail.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram. You can just search Theater Community Fund in Kansas City and you'll find us somewhere. And just ask us what our needs are. And, and if you're following us on Facebook, we try to do a, a, every week or two a kind of update of what we need. Because like last week, we needed pasta, rice bags. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we do not need that. We do not need that for a while. Got um, and cereal. We have so much cereal. Everyone keeps bringing these Mahomies. Um, <laughs> they're going to like be collectible cereal. one day. Yeah, yeah. There's like, they're like murals. So you get them all and you make this big Chiefs mural. We have, I think, uh, 
three murals. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I think it's going to be a really cool thing that, that goes beyond the pandemic. Um, yeah. The Denver community has an actor's fund there and people really lean on it, you know, when they, yeah. when they need, need some help playing for chemo uh, treatments or a broken leg or paying for rent. Um, as, as you know, like as an artist, like you're kind of committing to a life of, of struggle, even if you're really successful. Yeah. It's tricky sometimes. It's just not a traditionally financial, financially secure profession, especially theater arts. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a gamble. Mm -hmm. And this is a way to kind of make it less of a gamble. And hopefully it can make Kansas City more attractive to other artists of like, oh, they have this yeah. system of support in KC. That, that might be a good place to land. Yeah. Well, keep up the good work and please keep us updated on what you're doing. Thank you so much for making some time to chat with us today, Jake. You're such a light and just so lovely to sit down and, you know, shoot the shit with. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, man. You too. All right. We'll talk soon, okay? Yep. Love you, buddy. Bye-bye. Love you too.